Welcome to a very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. Hello, everybody. I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. By now, you expect to see Jeff the Ref Robinson. Jeff is on assignment tonight, but I am joined by a very dear friend of man, and I haven't seen him in a very long time. Almost didn't recognize him. He looks like he lost three people. This is the rising Ron Starr. How you doing, Ronnie? I'm great, Angelo. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, brother. I'm honored to have you, especially on this very special night. We are saluting Black History Month tonight with some of the greatest African-American wrestlers of all time. All and time. I made a list, and I hope to uh, stump you. Uh, I don't know, because you're pretty damn good. <laughs> so before we get into that and I introduce you fully, let's get into um, what Jeff and I would normally do is we call housekeeping. Okay. So, uh, let's uh, fill everybody. Uh, what happened on uh, on Monday Night Raw last night? I understand it was a very interesting evening. Well, you know, you, you know, uh, Randy Orton, of course, kicked the show off, and you know, him, him, him and KO went there. Two, I think, two of the better talkers in the game. Uh, uh, it's always entertaining to see those two, and um, so. Uh, Owens ended up uh, challenging Randy Randy for later that night. And, uh, you know, top-notch promo, of course, two of the best talkers. Then you had um, Selena Vega bring out Angel Garza. And, okay. Yeah, uh, she had, uh, they, they built it cousin versus cousin, Angel Garza versus Umberto Carrillo, who I think is phenomenal. One of the greatest young luchadors to come out, come out, come out of the Mexico in a while. Uh, yes. Pretty, pretty decent match. Uh, you know, uh, Ricochet uh, with Luke Gallows. You know, Ricochet is is always solid. You know, and Luke Luke has always yeah. been um, Luke Gallows been always one of the best. Uh, I hate to call him a carpenter because he's way more than that, but he's so solid and he can always put yeah. on good. Well, you know what though? It used to be. It's funny you use that word, and, and probably only you and I probably even use that word anymore. And it's you know, so the funny, carpenter. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny, Ronnie. We had Davey O'Hannon on the show, good, and good he's coming back actually next week. Awesome. Um, Davey used that word, and he he said it in a really interesting way. He said the carpenter is the guy that lays the foundation for the match. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, a good friend of mine who's no longer with us, uh, JT Roberts, he was out of the uh, northeast Pennsylvania area. He used to say, um, he used to call me the mechanic. And I'm like, the mechanic? He said, yeah, you know, no matter what kind of vehicle you have, what kind of vehicle, you, you find a way to make it go. And you, yeah. make, you find a way to make it sing. And I said, and I've always liked, I've always liked that, that title, like mechanic and carpenter kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. So it was an, an interesting evening. So, uh, you know, you mentioned Randy Orton. You know, as, as good as the guy is, and I think he knows how good he is. Mm -hmm. I still feel Ron, and I don't know why, but I feel like they're wasting the guy. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. Maybe I'm old school. I love the fact that Randy is not not adverse to giving some of the newer guys the rub now. And he's, he's right. he, you know, he's that guy, you know, he can always get, he can help shine up somebody else. Maybe somebody who's looking a, lack, a little lackluster, he can, he can bring them along and, you know, really, really, uh, you know, uh, like the segment with Edge was phenomenal. Off the chart. Off the chart. 
And like, just that was just classic Viper. Like, if you didn't hate him, if you didn't hate him before, he started, you found a way to hate him again. It's just, and it yeah. really solidified the unpredictability of, of of Randy Orton. Just, yeah. To me, he's I was the always, guy you love to hate. Absolutely. And there absolutely. are few people, very few people, that know how to get that kind of heat anymore. Um, yeah, and you, you know, know and and it's, it's it's almost Ron like like heat is a lost art. And I was just thinking about that earlier. Earlier today, I, I, a match came on my uh, came across my feed. It was the Heart Foundation and Strike Force from '87. Oh my and, god! And when I when I say they were built so well, so well built, the uh, the heat like you can just they were just they were just. Just, just coming down on the Heart Foundation, and as soon as, and then it, it's ironically the Heart Foundation came in, big heels. They were the tag champs, big time heels. Uh, they came in with mouth of the, mouth of the south on, on on the megaphone, belts on, but they just they had so much disdain for the crowd. And as soon as they hit the ring, they played Strike Forces music, and the people went absolutely bananas. And that's yeah. because the even back in the eighties, without the advent of any kind of social media, they knew how to build. And I think a lot of people lose that these days. And I love the three-match structure. I love the three-act structure. I do. But I think there's so much loss because there's so much access now. There's no, there's no time given for it Absolutely. to build. Yeah. And like, even when I, teach, when I teach kids, I teach my students, I say, no matter what you do, you give it two or three seconds and you let it land. Because you know why? When you go from move to move to move to move, nothing registers. Nothing registers. Yeah, and that's been a problem... Uh, and it's actually been uh, the subject of at least one full show that we did, Ron. Oh, my goodness. Um, where we, uh, we basically just picked apart what we call the spot monkeys. <sighs> because it's, you know, and these kids are just spot and spot and spot. What, and, and, happened, and, what happened to the days of Johnny Valentine, who would get you in an arm bar or an arm lock and keep it on for 20 minutes? One of my favorite matches of all time, and I, I quote this all the time, Nick Bockwinkle and Jerry Lawler oh, yeah. from Memphis, 47 minutes, and about 30 of it was a hammerlock. Yeah. And all, all yeah. Jerry did was get the crowd. He worked the crowd, and Bockwinkle would bring him right back down. He'd get the yeah. crowd, bring him right back. And then when it was time to switch the flip, flip the switch and get that heat, oh, he'd start building, 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 and Bachman would just bump and sell, bump and sell, bump and sell, okay. and down came the strap, and the entire Coliseum lost its mind. Oh, Nick was a bumping machine. And exactly. And the same thing when I watched uh, Ric Flair versus Kerry uh, Von Erich, the first one. This, the match was super-duper simple. They did so... And they did what people would call, oh, that's that's a beginning move. They were still throwing, I mean, Flair was bumping for shoulder tackles right right up to the finish. Like, yeah. was, he was feed, boom, carry. And he knew what Kerry was working with. And he knew how to make Kerry look like a million dollars. Sure. And, like, and, and, I, and like, I literally remember the first time I read that. I, I, I'd always read, like, the what they call the Aftermags, uh, Inside Wrestling. Oh, sure, yeah. Wrestling Review, Pro Wrestling Illustrated. But then I also like Wrestling's the Main Event, which was a color magazine by George Napolitano. Sure, I know and, George well. And one of the, one uh, this, when I found out we have a new NWA World Champion, like, at the time, like, you, only, you could only read about title changes in the mags. 
Yeah. And it's full color spread. And it was Carrie. Carrie was a physical specimen. And he's got the yellow and black on. And Flair's got the Carolina blue and the white boots. And the the, the, the platinum blonde is flowing in, in Texas. Just like that was such a spectacle. And I didn't even realize. And the, the thing that people didn't realize, too, Carrie worked a full schedule defending the belt for 21 days. Yes, he did. You know, people talk about Ric Flair being the greatest of all time. And he absolutely was. Absolutely. I don't for it. it wasn't he, how good Rick was. It was how good Rick made you look. Um, a guy, um, Tom Carter, Reckless, used to, used to say, Rick Flair could carry my grandmother to a five-star match. And I honestly believe that. Like, Rick exactly. Flair was that kind of He's the kind of guy he knew how to make every, even like when he, um, and even when the matches seemed like crazy, like when he worked Vader, uh, the when they had the big, the big Christmas special, and it was, uh, I guess it was, what's the Starcade? It might have been, well, or it might have been Russell War, I'm not sure, but it was when um, they had the, the big thing with Rick and his family right before he went to the arena. And I'm, of course, you know, I know how that stuff's done now, but it was, yeah, that would have been Starcade, Ron. That was a Starcade, you're absolutely right. And just the, the way that it was all, uh, oh, uh, Rick's is like he has this, this look with his face when he's talking to his family, he's talking to his sons, and like it's like he was like knew he was going to battle and like, he may not come back. And there was so much emotion, and that's what a lot of it's missing. Like you have oh, to. Oh have... man! Oh, you struck a nerve with me, Ron Star. Emotional you struck content. a nerve with me because I keep talking about these young guys today, and where is the emotional investment? None at all. And um, literally, I um, I just um, I work for a company called Super Crazy Pro Wrestling. And um, that's uh, Darren's group. Yes, it is. And so I uh, did a, a match with an old friend, uh, Atlas Rivera, who actually had not been in the ring for 20 years. And, you know, the whole the whole bottom line was we took one segment in the beginning of the show. And we had the entire arena invested in that match. Wow. Just by just by what we said and what we did. And, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to learn how to do. It's like, you know, you have to learn how to get the crowd where you want them. Get them right in your hand. And then yeah. you, you say what you're going to do, then you do it. And they like, wow. And they, and they and like, literally, I mean, it, it was, you know, we had made 200 people in that, in that, in that small building, but it yeah. sounded so loud when we were oh, sure. Thing. Oh my God! It's because Look, we, you can take fifty people and make them sound like five hundred. Yes, you can. Emotional investment. Yeah, absolutely. So right. let's talk about uh, uh, what made me happy last night, but I'm what? sure uh, it did not go lost on you. The WWE went a little old school WWF last night and pulling a ref heel turn. Uh, I'm a, what, now that was which whose match was that? That was uh, uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. Okay, yeah. Now, um, who was the ref for that one? I'm so sorry. It was it was a ref that nobody had ever seen before. It was one of Rollins, uh, 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 Seth Rollins' cronies. Oh, get out of here! Yeah, and he pulls the ref shirt off, and he's got a Seth Rollins T-shirt underneath it. Wow. Yeah, fast count the whole bit, bro. Oh, I uh, love everything. I have a question for you, Ron, because I, mm -hmm. I, I've, you know, I've seen you work and I've, I've heard you on the stick. So let me ask you, what happened to the art of the promo? Where, where are all the good promo guys? 
there are there are a lot still around that can still talk. And the problem is everybody wants to be cheap and smarky and they want to they they want to pop the boys and let more than pop the crowd. And and that's okay. the crap out of me. It's okay to pop the boys if you can pop the crowd in doing so. It, sure. I like to like I like to hear a guy, especially in M and it, when I used to I used to teach, I used to um I used to have promo class, but I used to call it um the shelter. Now I, I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Eight Mile with Eminem. Oh sure, yeah. So I, I what I would do was I would try to teach guys to think on their feet. So I would set it up almost in that same that same battle rap arena. I would just you know I would have two guys that have a mic right there, have two guys, and I'd have, I'd give them thirty seconds. Go comes off the top of your head. Go and it teaches them to think on their feet. I mean it's okay to write really great promos but you know if you're going to write a promo where you're talking about something that only you and like 10 other guys in the in the back know and yeah. the crowd doesn't get it is no point yeah you but, know it can't be you can't play inside baseball with a promo no you cannot i mean you literally you literally have to find something you have to attach you have you have to attach you have, to have the crowd has to be able to grasp it and then you say yeah. well listen like um uh, one of my favorite promos of mine it was um uh, Flex Wheeler. Flex Wheeler used to have a Superman logo tattooed on his arm. Yeah, I remember. So, so I used to. Uh, he did a he, he did a babyface turn. You know, we were heels together. And he did a babyface turn on me. So, uh, I cut the promo where I think I said, "You have a Superman symbol on your arm, and you think you're the appointed savior of the world." But even the Man of Steel had a Doomsday, and I'm your Kryptonite. So that's four things about Superman. That the crowd can connect to, that could also attach to what you know what the story we're telling. Absolutely, and like, it's all about the art of storytelling. So, like I've always tried to be, you, you have to be um, as deep as a pool, but shallow enough, shallow enough to swim. I, you know what? That's a really good way to put it. I think what makes me happy, and it's interesting because the two main WWE shows. SmackDown and Raw are, I think, giving way to the the little engine that could call NXT. And I'm Absolutely. looking at NXT and I'm seeing ECW. I'm seeing NWA. I'm remembering my days at the Civic Center in Philly. Absolutely. NXT and, is the wrestling brand. Yeah. That's NXT is the wrestling brand, and that's yeah. that, that. That's what it, and it's a little innovative. It's a little, but that's of course that crowd that's gearing it to. But like sometimes you have to have them pay attention to the one thing that looks exciting. Yeah. And while their mouth is open, boom, you give them something else, something they can Absolutely. hold on to. Absolutely. And then like, I see a group like AEW mm -hmm. that's doing basically the same thing. There's a Shades of uh, NWA, shades of WCW, uh, we'll see you a, there. a little, you know, and, and you know, you can't really help it, you know, with the, not with the Cody and Dustin being there, you know, shades of Dusty Rhodes. Well, listen, Dusty Rhodes was my greatest teacher and he doesn't even know it. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. I idolize Dusty, like everything about what I do, even up to what I do as a finish is Heavily influenced by Dusty Rhodes. Heavily. Influenced. Yeah. 
we're going to talk about Dusty tonight. We're, you know, we're going to, you know, if you're just tuning into the show, this is uh, Wrestling with the Future, and this is our salute to the greatest black wrestlers of all time in celebration of Black History Month. Amen. Joining me is a dear friend. I haven't seen him in a long time. Almost didn't recognize him. The Rising Ron Star. I call you the Rising Star, but I don't know uh, what your I, handle is, but I just made it up. I like that. When I, I might have to start using that. I like you that can have it. The Rising you can Star. Have it. I appreciate that. It's my, my gift to you, my friend. My gift. My friend. My so friend, I my made friend. a list, Ron, and, and like I said, I, I hope to stump you with <laughs> some of these names. So let me... Let me hit you with my list here. Okay. Not in any particular order. Pork Chop Cash. Oh, man. SD Jones. Oh, S. Jones. My friend, the Junkyard Dog. Mm. D'Lo Brown. Obo Brazil. Coco Beware. Pistol Pez Watley. <laughs> Tony Atlas. Rocky yeah. Johnson. Rest his soul. Mm -hmm. The only woman on the list, Ron, Miss Jackie Moore. Yes, yes, Miss Texas. Yep, Butch Reed. Hexel. Ron Simmons, Brother Devon. Mm -hmm. Shelton Benjamin, Rufus Off Freight Train Jones. Ooh. Ron Killings, Kamala. Papa Shango, Charles Wright. Yep. Mark Henry, Booker T. Abdullah. Bobby Lashley, Elijah Burke, Orlando Jordan. Jay Lethal, Sweet Daddy Seeky. <laughs> Showboat Sonny King. Now you got me there. Theodore or Teddy Long. Mm -hmm. And there's one more name on the list. Ron Starr. <laughs> my man. I figured I'd pop you. <laughs> oh, my man. So, that's a, a, a veritable who's who of mm -hmm. pretty much every generation that's ever wrestled. Mm -hmm. I grew up, I remember watching Porkchop Cash, yes. and I remember watching Bearcat Wright, and Bobo Brazil, and Pistol Pez, and Thunderbolt Patterson. T-Bolt, God bless him, yes. You know? And a lot of people are missing out on some serious wrestling history, because they just, you know, they know The Rock. Of course, everybody knows The Rock. Absolutely. You know? The biggest movie star in the world, the biggest grossing actor of all time is a wrestler. Yes, he is. So, kudos to our business. Amen. Because, And I, I love that. I love the lane that he created. Because of that, people are looking at this, you know, they're looking at life beyond this. And they're looking at trying to increase their worth and increase their value. I know guys that are in wrestling school and acting school at the same time because they're trying to increase. And that's also beneficial to them because you're going to be in front of a camera. Well, you know, let's talk about that. One okay. of the things your your hero Dusty did was when he did promo class, it wasn't just the microphone and you got 15 seconds and go. He put a camera in front of you. Dusty put a camera in front of you and said, go. And if you didn't make it in front of that camera, if you didn't have something to say, mm -mm. well, you had two choices. You either better find something to say, you had to make it up, or you were done. Yep. And that's, that's uh, and, and that's lost on people now. But Dusty yep. was one of these guys that was, because he was 
you know, he calls himself the humble son of a plumber. And legit, his father was a plumber. But growing up in West Texas, in a you know poor part of town, you know, mm-hmm. Dusty hung out with all the with all the brothers and you know in the in the neighborhood. We have a joke. Uh, there's always been a joke. I've I've been interviewed a couple times, and we're always talking about um, Dusty. And um, Dusty, I said, of all the guys in um, old school wrestling, Dusty, we have a saying like, if you got invited to the cookout. I said, not only was Dusty at the cookout, Dusty probably hosted the cookout, and I'd eat his ribs. So trust me, (laughs) Dusty has always had props with the brothers, absolutely. He had that smooth, blue-eyed soul. He had that that way of speaking that was just smooth. Doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what he said, it came off like silk off his tongue. Absolutely. Even when he got angry, you listen to the classic Hard Times promo. One of the greatest, one of the greatest promos ever cut. Hard Times. And he did it on the spot. Yeah. On Mm -hmm. the spot. No prep. It just came out. There's two promos I always tell my students to watch. Hard Times. Yes, sir. And Slick Rick. I'm telling you. If you can't watch this, like, and and it, I love the fact that so many people embrace the Slick Rick promo, and, and like the the Colts when they were on their playoff run, they embraced the that whole limousine flying jet, and so many people have emulated that persona of Ric Flair. But like, um, and to the point where even um a few years ago there was a, a hip hop song called Ric Flair Drip, and he was in the video, and that because Ric Flair's persona. Pretty much embodied hip hop and the the, gla- the glam and the flashiness of hip hop, and that's what I always loved about Ric Flair too. Yeah. Well, you know, Ron, it's funny how life imitates art and how art imitates life. Mm-hmm. You know, professional wrestling back in the '60s and '70s were were capturing moments light years ahead of its time capturing that lightning in a bottle and thankfully through videotape and television saving Mm. that lightning in a bottle absolutely for us to see and learn from some of the people we learned from i mentioned are on this list for me one of the the most flamboyant wrestlers that i've ever seen was a guy named showboat sunny king now, I've heard of Sonny King. I didn't know about the showboat, Monica, but I've heard of Sonny King. Yeah. And you, you check him out. They called him Sonny Showboat King. We well, used to Mm-mm. come in. You know how uh, how Jackie Fargo and Ric Flair, they have their strut? Mm-hmm. Well, showboat Sonny King added a little boogie-woogie to it. That's right. He did the Fargo strut with a little boogie. Yeah. A little like Chicago it. boogie. And, and he called uh, another, it the showboat. He called it the showboat strut. Mm-mm-mm. And another guy who had that flamboyance that you mentioned on your list, Sweet Daddy Seeky. Oh my God! You know he's still around. Yes, he is, and he's a country western singer. So yeah, he's, he's doing karaoke. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but like I, I just you know I, I saw him. I, I was watching some video of him from Memphis with Jerry Lawler. Uh, I think Lawler was a Southern champion at one time, and he brought him in as a, a special tag team partner. Just, just again, giving him emotional investment just by talking on the microphone. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just, li- literally, 
right now, uh, is he? No, he's not the mayor anymore. But I think if Jerry Lawler ran for mayor right now, he'd get elected again. You know, just just what he, yeah. Yeah. you know, he's. I tell you what, the, sweet daddy's got to be in probably eighty two, eighty three. He's 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 got to be up there. He's got to be almost eighty, if not over eighty. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's got to at least be put, put, if he's not eighty, he's pushing it close. Yes, indeed. And, and I know again, he was a young man when he started, but he was. You know, it's funny because Sweet Daddy was one of these guys that even when he was young, he looked old. Yeah, because <laughs> the guys were they were more rugged and they put in hard work in the gymnasium. So. And, and, and with the weights, and you know, and again, that road was a hard life. Living, yeah, in- oh, absolutely. You know, I have a guy on my list. I had the the opportunity to meet and uh, and talk to a little bit. Abby Abdullah. Oh, and that's another one. Yes. Now here's a guy, in my opinion, that doesn't get the credit he deserves. You know, people think of Abdullah. They think of the blood matches, the mm-hmm. you know the gimmick fork, the whole bit, right? Mm-hmm. But Abby could work, and he could tell a story with his work. You Absolutely. watch any match with Abby and Bruiser Brody; those two Last. guys were brutal. And 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 I love the guys who I, don't get me wrong. I don't have a thing against hardcore or ultraviolet wrestling, as they call it. I don't have a thing against it at all. I said, but I tell people, I said, if you want to see how it's really done, you go back, you watch Bruiser Brody, you watch him do a little butcher, you watch the Sheik. Those are the guys that you watch. Yeah, that the original Sheik. Sheik. The yes, original sir. Sheik. And even yes, like, um, uh, as I learned from one of my mentors, the original Gangster New Jack, Ray Candy from the Zambuli Express is another yeah. one. Yeah, I, I, um, I knew New Jack. He actually stayed at my house for a couple days. My man. And then we had a falling out. Well, because <laughs> you know, you know, Jack, he's kind of like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we recently reconnected not too long ago, and it was, it was a good time. Well, this if you see day. him, do me a favor and tell him I said hi. I sure will. All right. Um, somebody else on the list here that I didn't mention, but it's actually a faction. It's a group, and they affected the course of pro wrestling in ways that. They could not even anticipate at the time. And that group was called the Nation of Domination. Absolutely. You had four guys that were individually megastars. Each guy was a megastar. But together, they created this, I don't want to, I don't want to say fearsome because they were, they were more, Rather than being fearsome, they were more dominant. I'm going to use that word. They were Absolutely. more dominant than fearsome. And if it wasn't um, for the domination, we wouldn't have the iteration of the rock that we have now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, because it, you know, less people forget their history. But when when Rock came in, he was rocking my via. Yeah, and I actually and remember they, him from USWA's Flex Kavana. Right. You uh, remember how they so, booed him out of the building? Yes, indeed. But he didn't care because he was taking that trip up north soon. Yeah. And he already he already knew where he was going. And next, and the funny thing, yeah. I see him and say, Rocky Bobby, that's Flux Kavana. I knew who it was when I saw him when he debuted. And 
Yeah, exactly. I said, oh, that's the Rock, that's Rocky Johnson's kid, and you know, uh, Rocky Johnson was always a hero of mine. Um, yeah, we just lost that- Rocky. Yeah, so sad. I'm just- yeah. In fact, Ron, we were on the air when Rock passed away, and we broke oh. the news on the air. Wow. So yeah. Sad. Yeah. Like, we- I think one of the first times I'd ever seen. Um, an African American wrestler win a championship was when him and Tony Atlas beat the Samoans for the tag team titles. You know, and it was interesting about that because, and then a lot of people don't know this. They won the title, they defended the title once, mm-hmm. and then they lost the title to to another. I think Tito Santana and and maybe Rick Martel. No, no, it was Adonis and Murdoch. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Dick Murdoch and Adrian Adonis. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that was, was another thing that um, when it like I'm like I never I, I'd heard of Adrian Adonis and I heard of Dick Murdoch. I never knew of them to be a tag team. I knew yeah. that Adrian Adonis had tagged with Jesse Ventura in the AWS. They were the yeah. East West Connection. Sure. But I, I when it, they were makeshift, I guess, to just to, to keep the title moving. Yeah. Because they had plans on bringing. Um, uh, Wyndham and Rotundo in. But yeah, the, uh, the other part of the story people don't talk about is that uh, Rocky and Tony didn't particularly get along too terribly well. I get along at all. At all. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that was sad to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Even so, Tony spoke very highly of him mm-hmm. and, uh, and I believe generally misses him. Um, and that's the thing when you're doing business. And you, you, your business is depending on somebody else. You're gonna, you're gonna have disagreements, but that doesn't mean you just like the person. Yeah, true, general. absolutely. You know, it's a. It, they used to say they probably still do. You know, if it's good for business, put your personal differences aside. Absolutely, do the and business I, and deal with your problem in the locker room. I've worked with plenty of people I didn't particularly care for, but it was good business. Yeah. Let's talk about a guy who really changed the face of wrestling. A guy who was given every crazy gimmick under the sun for a while, but finally found his own niche and his own footing uh, and became champion, and he didn't even realize he was going to become champion. Gentleman named Ron Simmons. Oh, man. Listen. One of the Um, greatest football players that, that ever played that ever played the game. In fact, they retired his jersey. Yes, the Florida Seminoles. Yep. Yep. So, and it, it, it's so uh, it's so um, interesting. Like when that title change happened, I, that was one of those things I just never, you know, I never expected because you, um, you would see um, African Americans win secondary championships or tag team chips. Like I remember when I first watched the NWA. Thunderbolt Patterson was ta- was national tag team champions with Ole Anderson, right? And I yeah. I knew of him then, and I knew about um, Rufus Freight Train Jones being being the Mid Atlantic champion. Yeah, but you never you never really saw African Americans win the big one. Uh, like I said, the only other one I remember seeing was Rocky Johnson Tony Atlas winning the World Tag Team Championship. So right. when this change happened, and for it to be, for it to happen in WCW, which was and for all intents and purposes, the South. Yeah. That was a big deal because this is a trigger that the WWF hadn't even pulled yet. 
Oh, and, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm pretty sure there were guys they could have pulled the trigger with, but they were afraid of the backlash and how it would, how it would come off. Well, them. you know, that actually yeah. happened, Ron, uh, back in 1965. We're going to talk about this. A lot of people don't remember. They know the name Bobo Brazil. Because he is legendary, uh, you know, he's he's an icon and a legacy in wrestling. But few people realize that Bobo Brazil was the first black United States champion. He sure was. And they took it right off him. Mm-hmm. Because the heat was just mounting and and the promoters couldn't deal with it, didn't know how to. And, and maybe, let's be honest, Ron, maybe they didn't want to deal with the heat. No, not at all. But putting the U.S. title on a six foot nine black man was a big, big deal back in 1965. And one of the, one of the most phenomenal athletes on the planet, you know. And oh my God, but, sure. And the thing is, in the states, he got he got they they, they couldn't handle the heat. But in Japan, he was lauded and praised. They loved Bobo Brazil. Yeah, and there were a lot of African American wrestlers. Who had that acceptance in Japan and uh, in Mexico, quite frankly, and in absolutely. other parts of the world, but didn't get it here. And then maybe the times were, you know, um, unstable. Certainly the 60s were unstable. Absolutely. Things sort of, you know, kind of settled down a bit in the 70s. Uh, and I think everybody kind of got their footing. But by. Clearly, by the 80s, I think wrestling was ready to accept that a black champion would, it was not unusual or, wouldn't, or shouldn't be or wouldn't be unusual to see. And it, I think it, it, the uh, decision back in the 80s to put the titles on Atlas and, uh, and Rocky Johnson was brave on Vince Sr.'s parts because we need to be clear it was Vince Sr., not Junior., Absolutely. Had Junior, and I'm going to say this, and I'll get I'll get some heat for it, but I'm going to say it. Had Vince Junior had his way, I don't think he'd ever put the title on a black guy. No, I probably not. And which 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 made that Kofi Kingston moment so much more, you know, satisfying. Yeah, I mean, talk about that at Mania. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I'm and and again, there were so many black champions regionally. Um, you had the like the NWA had the American champion with Rufus and Roosevelt, aka SD Jones. They were the they were the American the American tag team champions three times. You had guys yeah. in the South like uh, Reggie B. Fine in Memphis. How many times he was the Unified World Champion? I mean, they were just at Brickhouse Brown in Texas. Yeah, you know, oh my God, sure. You know, and I believe that Bubba Brazil had a Texas Brass Knuckle Championship ring too. I mean, these guys knew how to draw money, and these yeah. guys knew. They knew how to use these guys correctly. But again, you know, it's interesting. You, you just mentioned you mentioned Brick House Brown. Now, there's a name that didn't even make my list, mm-hmm. and I think, and I'm a victim of it too, Ron, largely because he's forgotten by history. Yes, indeed, him and Iceman King Parsons. Oh, Iceman, yeah. Now, King Parsons was huge in Texas, world class. That's right. Absolutely. And, and they, the made other, him, they, they made him the world champion in, in world class. So. Yeah, sure oh. did. Absolutely. Uh, and that took some doing because you had a guy 
Fritz von Erich that didn't want to do it, but you had another guy with more pull that did want to do it, and his name was Sputnik Monroe. Sputnik Monroe. Yes. Sputnik Monroe. Here's a guy, if they want to credit somebody with, with helping out the cause of Black History Month, they need to really take a look at this white guy from the South mm-hmm. who stood up for black people back in the day and said, hey, if you're not going to let them sit in the same section with the white people, we're not, we're gonna, we're not going to work tonight. Nope, not at all. And there's a lot of those walls got broken down because of a guy like Sputnik. Exactly. And and again, like you mentioned, Bearcat Wright. Bearcat Wright was a guy who was controversial, but he was undeniable. Oh, absolutely. And undeniable. And uh, I think in learn in embracing the sport. Of course, I had to I had to learn my history and just the the tales of of Bearcat Wright and. like you said, S.D. Jones and Boba Brazil and Sailor Art Thomas, Sweet Daddy Seeky. There were so many talented, talented African-Americans. And they had to not only deal with the racism in the locker room, but they had to re- deal with the racism in the South, period. And, and sure. You know, Jim Crow wasn't that far removed. And it was sure it was trying. But these guys were they were still undeniable talents and amazing. Well, I, and, I, and I think in that regard, if we can say this about pro wrestling, people... You know, and forgive my language, folks, but people can shit on wrestling all they want. But I will tell you that pro wrestling broke the color barrier long before the U.S. broke the color barrier. Absolutely, because they saw they saw what it what it meant. Absolutely, and you know, guys that couldn't get a job in the public could get a job wrestling. Mm-hmm. If 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 they were a big athletic if they had personality if mm-hmm. they could talk a little bit they had a chance to make some serious money and that's the thing about it. these guys when it came down to especially like the the gold dust trio these guys all they believed all they cared about who could draw money exactly and exactly. If, if you had an attraction that could get you money from the other side of the tracks guess what i'm gonna put you on I had the um, the good fortune to be invited to a private screening this year of a movie called Lady Wrestler, and it was about the um, it was about the story of three African American sisters who worked with um, who worked in the fifties and the sixties all over the world as as pro, as pro wrestlers um, for uh, God, the guy's name is is uh, escaping me right now. But um, his wife was the his wife was the world champion. But he would bring in this African American talent. Uh, I'm going to pull it up for a second. I'm going to pull the information up for you in one sure. second. Sure, sure. So yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it's, oh, it's, Afro it's, Johnson and Babs Wingo. Those are the ladies. Yes, yes, indeed. And um, it was a, it was a, and Marva Scott. It was an amazing, um, so in depth and and just to 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 hear the tell their stories from their point of view and perspective about how it was in the fifties, making serious money. Oh sure, all all over the world, all over the all over the country, all over the world, traveling. And again, 
going to other countries like Japan, like Canada and Mexico and getting lauded and praised for their ability. Yeah. It's almost like um, sometimes it's it's hard to do. You know, Um, it's 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 amazing how things go in cycles, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, It is cycular. You know, it happened in the sixties, like you said, in the eighties. Just they had to, they had to get themselves back around to maybe I could accept it. Like honestly, Ron Simmons or Butch Reed would have easily been the first person, in my opinion, that should have gotten the, the world championship. Um, yeah, and absolutely. I, I like the fact that um, Ric Flair would work all these great programs with Butch Reed. And he would yeah. always do the he would do he would do the double switch where you would think Reed would would, would go over and they'd switch it back because maybe he bumped the ref or something like that. But that just showed how much he respected his ability to even Absolutely. put that kind of that kind of responsibility storyline on for the crowd. So you know, it's like, oh, well, what about Butch Reed? What about Butch Reed? And and uh, going back to Ron Simmons, I remember yeah. watching that title change, and yeah. it's so funny. I focused on this one little kid at ringside. And when I say he jumped up in such jubilation and he was so excited, I felt like I was that kid inside jumping up and down because, wow, there's an African-American. There's a, Well, at the time, there was a black world champion. We, we weren't. Uh, I'm going to give you a little heads up about something. You know who that kid was? Who was that kid? That kid was D'Lo Brown. No. Yes, sir. Wow. Straight wow. shoot. Straight shoot. That's incredible. And yep. that, that kid jumped up and down and oh, he was just so super excited. That's amazing. That's that something I know. Wow. Yeah. Straight up. Now, wow. uh, a, a few months back, mm-hmm. uh, Vice Land did a TV uh, documentary series called Dark Side of the Ring. Yes. And they did an episode on the fabulous Moolah. Mm-hmm. One of the people that they featured in that show was the very first black female wrestler named Ethel Hairston. Mm -hmm. Black Venus, yes. Yes. And at that point, she was, uh, I believe, still alive Mm -hmm. um, and passed shortly thereafter. But again, lost to history. Her accomplishments were incredible for the time. She started pro wrestling at 16. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of. Even now, you have no, to be exactly. you know, at least 18 now. Yeah. You so you're talking be. about, you know, back in, in 1953, 54, Whoa. you know, she was like 16, 17 years old. She was just a kid. Mm-hmm. Again, another, another female lost the history, you know, um, and it quite frankly lost to me because I remember, of course, you know, the accomplishments and the, you know, the groundbreaking uh, presence that Jackie Moore had. Absolutely. I mean, she was, you know, she was wrestling guys that, you know, before it became in vogue. Yeah. You know, in shoe and, fights. And, and it was they powerful. Was a tough, tough lady. Powerful, could wrestle. And, you know, uh, I don't think Vince really knew how to package her. Because, of course, as Miss Texas, like you said, she was beating men, you know. And yeah. my, my first experience with her was watching her in USWA. But I even knew then at that point 
she was on her way up to the WWE because they had their own um, USWA faction of the Nation of Domination with JC Ice and Wolfie D. And yeah. She was in, by that time, those guys were, you know, they were on their way up. And, and Randy Hales, she was on her way up to the WWE. And she was perfectly suited for the attitude. Perfectly suited. Yeah. So, absolutely. You know, and, and, and I love the fact that they, they always, kept her uh in the limelight in the story and they always you know they they i think she had a a few wf wwf women's championship rings if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. and i know i know for a fact at least one and, and she's a hall of famer which is you know absolutely amazing accomplishment and i was i was reading about um you mentioned sd jones who is literally the reason i wanted to be a wrestler and I used to love watching S.D. Jones every week. I, yeah, I, I knew S.D. My yeah. father, my, my, my dad had a restaurant in Camden. Okay. Camden, New Jersey. And uh, the late pretty boy Larry Sharp was a dear friend of mine. Used, uh, to bring, uh, used to bring all the boys over to my father's restaurant. And, mm -hmm. uh, and S.D. was, uh, he was a character. Let me <laughs> tell you something. That man was strong as a bull. I saw him pick up. A full beer keg with one hand hoisted on his shoulder and carry it to the bar. <laughs> okay. Had had the good fortune to see him at um a uh, a triple WA show in the nineties. And just like you said, he just had this he looked as strong as legend. He was his he's big and strong. This, yeah. Again, thick, a throwback thick. to the old school. Yes indeed. Real thick. Um, Yes, indeed. It's good. So to see I got him. a question for you, Ron. Because mm -hmm. this kind of bothers me a little bit. It seems here in the last, I'm going to say five to eight years, maybe five to ten. I'm going to say five to eight years. Whenever you see black wrestlers on WWE television, they seem to be part of either a group or faction. Why? In your opinion, is that, and where is the individuality? Well, and I'll give you examples. The, the perfect example is New Day. Perfect example. Big E that, on his own is a force to be reckoned with. That man is a big, solid, strong guy who can talk and who can move. And the funny part about the, the the new day is this: when they first brought them together, they weren't even supposed to be what we see now. I heard that. T give me the backstory. They were supposed to be brought together to be heels. Really? Okay. This they is going to be interesting. They were going to be heels, uh, but again, it just. Well, number one, when you got too many, sometimes you got too many people in the pool, and, and then the water runs over. So, no matter how hard they tried to get them over his heels, they just would not get over his heels. So they took it to the other extreme. Oh, we're going to be baby faces, but we're going to be the most ridiculously obnoxious baby faces ever. And they were, in effect, still heels, but yeah. they were they were pulling off silly antics, and the people just. They grabbed, grabbed, grabbed onto it, and they loved yeah. it. And you know, and then 
they became so popular, so obnoxiously popular. Like, and they were allowed to, um, and like they they between that and the up up down down where Xavier Woods gets to, you know, um, gush about his love of video games, and you could tell they love the animation and the comic. They're they're allowed to express that in sure. their persona and their gear, and, and it, it kind of gave it a whole new appeal, and that's why. When it came down to that storyline with Kobe Kingston in the championship, yeah. you realize Kobe Kingston started, you know, his character to be blunt and for all intents and purposes was way stereotypical when yeah. he first started. Yeah, uh, and that bothered me. It bothered me a lot. Uh, he's supposed to be Jamaican. He's from Ghana. And, and, you know, I get it, you know, because maybe trying to pull off something like, okay, Saba Simba was a great a great idea for Tony Atlas, a way to revitalize his character, but they didn't know what to do with Saba Simba. Yeah. They didn't know what to do with Saba Simba. Yeah. And again. That, that was that was a waste. That, and, was, that uh, was a waste of Tony's talent. Mm-hmm. It was a waste of his time. And quite frankly, it was an insult to the fans. Absolutely. And, and just like um, even with like Apollo Crews. I mean, Apollo Crews has the tools. He's a little short, but he has the tools. There's so many talented African American wrestlers. Apollo Cruz, Ron, should be a multimillionaire right now. Absolutely. I mean, and, and that uh, goes back to my original question: Why, do, why can't they latch on to a black wrestler that has that mass appeal? Uh, Apollo Cruz, uh, you know, um, he's look at the guy; he's built like a Greek god. Yeah, and, and literally. And I honestly believe it's it's the material. I don't think they know how to write for them. Well, then you do what they used to do old school. Let them write for themselves. Let them be themselves. And that's the, and that's the problem with a machine like the WWE. Everything's controlled. The music. Like, um, I'll go back further. Uh, Tyrus, what was his name? Um, the Funkasaurus. What was his name? Oh, uh, a flash funk. No, no, uh, no, not flash, not flash funk. Oh, um, Brodus Clay. Bro, oh, Brodus Clay. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's Tyrus now. Yeah, yeah. They did not know what to do with him, and they literally kept repackaging him and repackaging him. So they literally got an old song from Ernest the Cat Miller, and they just came up with a pretty stereotypical gimmick, and it was great. The first eight, nine, ten, eleven times you heard it, yeah. Said, oh, again. Okay. And then, like, when it's time to put him somewhere, you don't have anywhere to put him because, again, you're over inundated with talent and you don't want anybody else to have the talent. So, and I want to tell you something. You know what? And I think about that that character and I, and I get angry because what they did to that guy at WrestleMania was absolutely shameful. Disgraceful. And Family think- ringside. His, his whole family was ringside, and they they, yeah. they bumped the match. That was so disgraceful. What 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 they did was absolutely disgraceful. Coming out with thirty or forty women with you know big butts, you know old you know dressed up as old ladies dancing to the the Funkasaurus song. Tomeko come tell my mama, I, and I get yeah. it. But uh, isn't that great? That's funny. It's really not. It's, yeah, it's no, really I don't think offensive. it's funny, and I don't get it. And that's the problem because they think that's because a lot of the writers believe that's what they think we find funny, and it's not. You know, 
ask us. It might got, be what Vince McMahon finds funny, but he's got a twisted sense of humor anyway. That sick bastard. Yeah, exactly. So, like, ask us what we think is funny. Ask us what appeals to us. And you've got African American talent there. You've got you got African American writers there. Ask them. Exactly. Ask, ask them, and then when you ask them, follow through. But I no think. It, it, thank God for the indie circuit. Mm-hmm. And I mean that literally because were it not for the indie circuit, a lot of wrestlers that are uh, African American and and of color would not have the opportunity to work. Not at all, or the platform, or the platform to do it. Exactly, exactly, Ron. Yeah. There's a, there's an outfit out of uh, out of Washington D.C. the PAWDWC. And they literally just had a tournament. And um, they had a tournament highlighting African-American talent from all over the, all over the, 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 the country. Right. And they just had a tournament for a championship. And they crowned their champion. And it's a young lady by the name of Trisha Dora. She is the champion of that, of, of that conglomeration. Okay. And, and I, love, um, I love that she gets to express her personality and she she calls herself the Afropunk, and it it it's not offensive. It's it's her embracing who she is, and um, she has a finisher, and it's it's a the finisher has a catchy name. She she uses um um uh, a sickle basically as a finisher. Right, right. And it's called Lariat Tubman. <laughs> and I think it's the greatest thing ever. I, I'm like when I read it the first time, I said what. It's called Lariat Tubman. <laughs> Christian Dora is somebody they need to watch out for. She, I mean, there's so much, so many good young talents, African American talents on the scene right now. Uh, Trisha Dora, uh, Big Bang Ronnie Nicole, Darius Carter, Darius, um, I'm sorry, Darius Carter, a guy named O'Shea Jackson, Dave Reed, uh, Darius Lockhart, Eel O'Neal, uh, Tyhere James. So much. So much rich talent just on the East Coast. I mean, West. I mean, yeah. just all over the place. Just, and they're finally oh, getting God, a chance. Sure. To finally yeah, getting a it's chance. To unbelievable how how rich indie wrestling is with talent. Absolutely. And and and, and I tell people, and, and they're surprised to hear me say this. I tell people, if you're smart, stay right where you're at. Exactly. Make your name where you are. You'll make a living. You'll make a decent living. You'll travel mm-hmm. a few hundred miles here and there, but mm-hmm. you don't have to kill yourself. Not at all. And you don't I have mean, to put up with the political BS of the WWE. Mm-hmm. It's all political. And that, that bothers me. How, I mean, how, does, how does a young 17, 18-year-old young black kid that wants to be a wrestler break in now? I remember how it was back in the day, but, you know, those days are gone and and I'm old and I don't know how things work anymore, Ron. Well, I still hold on to the each one teach one. Um, I have been counseling. See, I I hate to say training because I'm helping these these kids along with their journey. I, I hate to say that I'm training them. 
because num- number one, a lot of it's already in them. Um, there's a kid by the name of uh, Eric Riles. He he wrestles as, as Des Monroe, and Des Monroe um, is he's a multi-level threat. He can wrestle. Right. right. He can referee. He can talk. He can wow. write. He is also talented with uh, the camera. He is also wow. Um, he's talented with video. He is a threat. He's Why like, isn't somebody snatching him up? Well, I, I take him everywhere I go with me. Um, and I think, look, you just need to be in this car when I go. When I go to these different places, and you need to be seen. And literally, he rode with me to uh, a company by the name of Capital Wrestling. First time, sight unseen. And they immediately said, yeah, we want to use this kid. I said, by all means, please do. Wow. Um, and there's another kid who's 19 years old. I'm about to take under my wing. I'm about to take him and help him on his journey. And I've always liked to say that I've been a small part of people's journeys. I hate taking credit for what talent people have. I may show you a few things. I may show you how to operate. I may show you how to work. I may show you. But this is your dream. And you accomplish it. I don't make you become what you what you're destined to become. You know, I I, yeah. I, hate, I hate taking credit for anybody else's success. It's your success. Well, and I mean, you, you're you're giving them the tools necessary, and you're showing them how to use the tools. Absolutely. Now, it, it's it's as simple as this. You can either you can either buy the house if you have the money, mm-hmm. or you can learn how to build the house and save the money. Exactly. And that's why this young kid, his name is uh, his name is Co. Uh, and I told him, I said, I hate this. I hate the term teacher and student. Right now, you're in an apprenticeship. You're learning a craft that exactly. was taught. You, you're learning a craft that was taught to me because I sat, at, I sat at the foot of a learning tree and I learned. So now that's what I'm doing. You're you're an apprentice with me now. I'm going to show you how to do this, but then I'm going to I'm going to show you how to operate so that you can do it yourself. And he, he liked he liked the idea of it. I said, listen, I mean, if this is truly what you want to do, I can show you how to, I can show you how to do it, but yeah. I can't I can't make you do it the right way. You can and lead you a horse can't to do water. it for him either, Ron. You cannot. You can't. You can lead a horse to water. Yeah. But I can't make you drink. So, Ron, you use the word there. That's, again, one of those lost, unfortunately, one of those lost words, the word craft. That's what it You've is. You've used it a couple of times. Wrestling because really is a craft. craft. But it saddens me, Ron, that far too many people think that it's their job. What's the difference? Tell these young kids, you, you being the grizzled old vet now, it's at such a young age. And we're going to get into that in a minute, too, bro. <laughs> you know? So. But, you know, you're, you're, we're teaching them the difference between, oh, you can wrestle as a job where you can learn your craft. And listen. Tell them the difference. Um, and no, no, everyone knows who I am. Uh, my job pays the bills and feeds my family. My craft is my passion. This is what Amen. I love to do. And I've spent years, I'm still spending years learning and perfecting my craft, you know, to the best of my ability. And everybody is not going to be 
Everybody's not going to be Adam Cole. Everybody's not going to be The Rock. But you can be the best who you are. You can be the best at what you do. Well, and sure. Who what... says you have to be the next Rock or the next uh, whomever? Be, be the first you. Be the first you. Be the best you. When I tell that, I tell that to wrestlers. I tell that to promoters. I said, stop trying to be something that already exists. Create something that doesn't exist already. And make it your own. Thank you. Let me tell you something. It was worth doing this interview just for people to hear that. I dropped a jewel you. That's information that you can't buy, you can't pay for. And this is that's, this is an, that's like this, that's priceless. The knowledge we get in this in this in the craft is anecdotal. I can pass it on to you. It's up to you to retain it so that you can pass it on to the next generation, just like it was passed to me. Now, you're a young guy, Ron. But, young. And it surprises me. I guess maybe not. But you've been doing this for the better part of almost 25 years. That's right. April 1st will be 25 years. I I'm know. 50, I did my homework. 50 years old. I did my homework. And you still have... You, you still have the tools and the skills. You haven't lost a step um, for, for aging, or not sure to say aging, bad word, for mature wrestlers who haven't learned to quit. What's the one piece of advice uh, about stepping away from the ring gracefully if you can't do it anymore? If you can't do it anymore, you have so much, you've acquired so much knowledge and experience. You don't have to be in front of the camera to influence the next generation. And that's why I don't, it used to be every weekend, three to four days every weekend on the road back and forth. I don't have that enemy anymore. Number one, I have two teenage children. I have a wife and I, I have a life that I have to live. Yeah. So I don't have the time to be on the road constantly. But in my in my heyday, I did well in the in 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 the sport of professional wrestling. I did well. And, and I'll I, bet you, Ron, that you learned half of what you know from those car rides. Uh, listen, hey, what are you doing this weekend, kid? Get in the car, sit down and listen. And I did. Sit down and exactly. Every time we had a veteran in the locker room, I was right there at their feet, listening to what they had to say. George the Animal Steel, the Iron Sheik, Coco Beware, you name it, I listened. And thank you, God, for my trainers, the Pitbulls. They taught me so much. They oh, you had me. Gary Wolf. Gary and Anthony, God bless you. Anthony, rest his soul. Yeah. They taught us so much. And I just, I, I, I and it used to be, used to be, I was like, oh, who's, who's, who's lead today? Gary Anthony. Gary, uh, but Gary was, it was like, it was like. Who was the uh, tougher of the two? Gary was the tougher one. Uh, and, and, and I, 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 every time I see Gary, I say captain, my captain, because everything that I learned, I learned from him and, and, um, I just embraced all those lessons and, you know, even it would be, it would always be like you know when you're when you're training or you're working, it's like two parents. Oh, you didn't do this. Oh no, he was fine. No, Anthony, he's got to do it right, and he was absolutely right. You got to do it right. 
Yeah. And, and 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 I thank God every day for Gary being. It was tough love, but I needed that tough love because it's easy to say, "Oh man, I'm great when everyone loves you." Yeah. But you got to know when your time sometimes passes. You got to be. You got to know how to to move from that and keep yourself relevant and keep yourself on point. Like, cause like, there's times I could have easily quit in the last past twenty five years. Uh, yeah. Screw yeah. this. I'm done. But my love for this outweighed those slow those slow moments. You know. And yeah. Again, I've always. It's easy to, to get frustrated. Absolutely, but it's also easy to. It's also easy to find a way to reinvent yourself and reinvigorate yourself. Oh, absolutely. Find, find find something that you can do, and and like it's um it's so funny. Like when I came back after my surgery and the, and the weight loss, oh the offers came in. Oh, I want you to come here. I want you. Great, I love to do. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's do business. But what they also had to realize that I had a lot of time for self self discovery and self awareness. I said, but what we're not doing. Is I'm not playing the games anymore. I'm not just I'm not taking not what I'm worth. And, I, and yeah. somebody somebody told me that um it seemed I seemed a little um, full of myself when I said, no matter what you think, I'm worth every dime. But I'm legitimately worth every dime. Absolutely. Well, Ron, this has been the fastest hour of this show we've ever had. Oh wow! I got to bring you back for got to bring you back for part two. Absolutely. So before I let you go, uh, tell everybody where they can reach you. Give your social media, your email, booking information. Hit him, hit him up. All right. Uh, email me at ronstar with two R's at gmail.com. On Facebook, ronstar, the one and only is my fan page. At Twitter, it's at one and only, number the number one, one and only R star. On Instagram, the number one, one and only ronstar. I'm there. I respond. I talk. Hit me up. Let's chat. You want to book me? Let's talk. Let's talk business. I, I'd love to come. To, I'd love to come out and help you show get you know, get better. All right. And let me give everybody a heads up of what's coming up here. We've got part two with Rico Costantino tomorrow night. Nice. And uh, we. Uh, oh, and on Thursday night. The Russian threat Nikita Brezhnikov will be here starting off March. I'm sorry. Yep. Starting off March. Chris Daniels. I'm sorry. Not Chris Daniels. Chris Michaels. Chris Michaels and Evan Ginsberg will be here. Nice. On March the 5th, Baby Doll will be here with her daughter, Samantha Starr. We will have Jeff Miller, the metal maniac, joining us on March the 10th on the 12th. Cowboy Johnny Mantell will be here with the Raging Bull, Manny Fernandez. Oh, that's going to be a great one. On March 24th, Mrs. Bruiser Brody, Barbara Goodish, will be here. On March the 26th, the man who wrote the music for WWE, along with Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart, J.J. McGuire, will be here. And starting April, we got a good one. We've got Mrs. Wahoo McDaniel. Wahoo McDaniel's wife will be with us. We've got, um, oh my goodness, we've got Sal Carrenti on uh, April 7th, along with Davey O'Hannon and J.J. Dillon, the one and only J.J. Dillon, and they will discuss their friend Bruno Sammartino. Mm -hmm. On April the 9th, ECW original, Jason Knight will join me. 
for the entire Dude, show. That's going to be a great. So now. we've got a busy couple of weeks coming up. And I'll that's be, I'll just tuned in. That's just up till April. <laughs> wow. You're going to uh, be You busy, can reach brother. me if you uh, if you want to hit me up on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash wrestling with the future. We're on Twitter at wrestling future. We are still setting up our Instagram, so we don't have an Instagram just yet, but we will because everyone's asking, where's your Instagram? We don't have one yet, but we will. Um, you can reach us at wrestlingwiththefuture at gmail.com for questions and comments. If you have a guest idea, reach us at wrestlingwiththefuture at yahoo.com. It's a separate email for, uh, for the guest at Yahoo. Uh, and... Anything else, uh, just uh, give us a holler, give us a call. You have our numbers. They're posted on our Facebook page. You can call us and ask us questions. Till next time, for Jeff the Ref and the Rising Ron Star, I am Angelo Mad Dog DeCipio, and I will see you next time. Happy wrestling, everybody. Bye-bye.